majority of people are kept hostage by their mind, and they don't even know it. Those are the words of today's guest. This is Coach Tim, Spider Cave Studios, Torrance, California. Keep tuned because we got a good one today, guys, as we deconstruct Robert Zentas. Imagine coming to the U.S. from Hungary, 15 years of engineering under your belt, and then in 2010, repeat seizures, a stroke, make clear thinking and speaking and walking very difficult, which isn't good for an engineering career. That's exactly what happened to our guest, as it was then that he learned modalities to get him fully functional again and then some. And that's what we, we hope to get out of Robert is a little bit of knowledge about how we could learn some of those modalities. So he is a transformational teacher, spiritual and intuitive healer, and a master trainer of hypnosis and NLP. He is the founder of Advanced Mind Institute in Arizona and has authored Mastering Your Mind, a step-by-step guide to conquering your fears and negative emotions so you can finally create peace and prosperity in your life. He hosts the Prosperity Mindset Podcast, which yours truly uh, got the great honor to be on. Uh, And he has authored a really cool uh, short course. You want a quickie kind of fun way to get it to deep dive it's called sub seven subconscious beliefs you must lose if you want joy and success it's over on udemy and i'll have these links for you and uh robert with that i want to welcome you to the spider cave studios awesome Tim. thank you it's uh, good to be here again yeah thank you I, let me ask you this. so can you go a little deeper into I mean, you have a seizure from from a stroke? It was previous or prior to, and, and I can get into what causes that, and I think that's going to be very valuable information for the listeners. Oh, okay, so, sure. Okay. So, you know, I, I gave a little bit of a background, but I really want to make sure that this uh, recording is about the listeners and it really addresses common concerns, but... Since we are all humans, we share part of the path, and I'd like to, you know, highlight some of the things that I didn't know and really caused, uh, obviously, at first the seizures and then the stroke, but then it also allowed me to grow into this, you know, advanced the quantum coach that I am today. So imagine me as a cool kid, you know, was very athletic, you know, my parents were not uh, exactly paying a whole lot of attention to me. They were busy with their lives. So I was pretty wild. I grew up, got very little, uh, you know, guidance from them, went to high school, dated, you know, all the, all the good stuff. And yeah. what didn't meet the eye, and this is what I'd like to really let people know, Tim, is that I was very heavily traumatized. Now, most of us are, I would say like 90% of the population is very heavily traumatized, but due to the way we cope and the way we, uh, we have a necessity to move on, right? We have to move on, right? So we cover things up, we cope, we de- develop coping mechanisms, and so did I. Now, the problem with that, and this is my case, and of course it applies to everyone to a large degree, is that whatever is unaddressed and unhealed, let it be trauma, let it be a heartbreak, let it be all of those past stories, is not going away. Covering things up doesn't solve the problem. So it keeps percolating, it keeps growing under the surface, and at one point, that's what happened, it erupts to the surface, and and not because it is against us or the universe is trying to punish us, but it erupts to the surface because it demands resolution. Okay? This is the key. All of the, what we call strange and bad things that happen to us. Let it be illness. Let it be a divorce. Let it be financial ruin. I know I'm exaggerating to some degree, but most people who have been around the block have at least experienced one of these. These don't happen because we are doing something wrong. They happen because in our mind, there is a chaos due to unresolved and unsorted stories. Okay? And that these real-life events are just simply a reflection of our unsorted subconscious story. 
Okay? So the seizures and then the stroke were emotionally induced due to my unresolved trauma. Now, at the time, because I was in an engineering the field, I followed the advice of my career advisor, my parents, just like most of us do, do this because this will earn you a good living. And it did. It really did. Right? I had a house. I had the American dream, the two and a half, all the crap, right? But, but basically, basically, I was not aligned inside me. I was not happy. And most people would take offense to it. What do you mean you were not happy? Yeah, because I inside was struggling. I had so many unresolved traumatic stories, so many unresolved questions, the internal psychological conflicts that we all carry. And so, so I basically was handed on a silver plate a whole lot of trouble to see it, to do a garage sale of it, if you will, so that I could actually see it, learn about it, process it, resolve it, and then create a brand new life without those problems re-manifesting themselves. So that's what I teach. I talk to people, I coach people, and they, and they say, hey, listen, I have a problem in my relationships, or I keep sabotaging myself in the financial arena, or I keep having this uh, health concern, let it be cancer, let it be, you know, uh, whatever there is. Can you tell me what I am thinking, what I am doing inside my mind that keeps manifesting this? And this is where the conversation takes off. So I'd be very happy to share, you know. Well, I, I, I need to ask a couple questions already just on what you just said. <laughs> I, uh, so if I hear you right, uh, the difference that you employed at that time was to accept the adversity as a potential lesson. Am I close or far? Actually, you're right on. This is, this is incredible. And, and it has, you know, a lot to that. But basically, part of our subconscious world is run and operated by our ego. Now, people heard of the ego, but they don't realize how much of our subconscious mind is run by the ego. Okay, the ego is not bad or good. It's just a part of it. Mm. And part of the ego's behaviors or styles or patterns, if you will, is to hold on to ancient beliefs and ancient ways of doing it. And another one, which you addressed, is to actually blame the outside world for our misfortunes. And if we can wrap our head around and like literally become aware of this pattern, then we can start asking a new question. And that's what I was doing. Obviously, I was making all the mistakes under the sun that most of us have. But at one point, I didn't say, why is this happening to me? I asked myself, what am I doing? And at that point, everything shifted. Because it gave me a part of my personal power back and said, what am I doing to myself? Because we can only do these things to ourselves. Make sense? Now, let let me ask you this. All of a sudden, I I had a thought, well, some people that experience tragedy of whatever sort will blame themselves and be guilty and, and, and that sort of thing. But that's not what you're talking about, right? That too. Believe it or not, mm. I'll say a general statement, and I mean it from a very deep, heartfelt place. So if some, some of the listeners experienced tragedy, then I'm terribly sorry. I have too. So I, I, my statement is going to come from a very experience, please. But here is the punchline. Everything in this world is so precisely planned that it only appears random to the untrained eye and to those who are unaware of the subconscious patterns. Tragedy is no different. We are creating it. We are attracting it for the purposes of healing and for the purposes of overcoming and learning something deeper about ourselves and the world. 
why in the hell would I have caused my divorce, which caused me to uh, not get to see my firstborn child as much as I would have liked, uh, and uh, to this day, why would I do that to myself? Well, I'll give you a general answer, and then we can, you know, get more specific. The general answer is, and I again, I say this with kindness and humility, is that everything in this universe is designed to aid our evolution. Okay, everything in everything that happens to us, we create subconsciously. Most of it, we don't have immediate access to because it's outside of our radar screen. But the energy of it. The message in it is to help us see something that we have never resolved from the past so that we look at it, we resolve it, we sort it out, and then we can now move on with our head up high. Now, if you look at, for example, your divorce, mm-hmm. I had this very similar thing. You know, my, when I first got divorced, you know, that I had a four-year-old girl, heartbreak was like massive heartbreak. Right? So why would we create it? Well, for many reasons. But I'll give you two dominant reasons. One is, what if that relationship was not meant to be? What if you had stayed in that relationship and would have been the seemingly perfect relationship but would not have allowed you, and here's the point, here's the, the, the key, would have not allowed you to step into your higher purpose, which you had come here at the first place. What if the relationship had blocked you from evolving without that pain factor into the person that you are today? Okay, so these are the the, sort of like questions that kind of come up, but we tend to focus mainly on why me, what's wrong with me, why did she do that, you know, and all those things. And understandable, but that's part of our, our ego training, which once you accept it, and start asking that other set of questions, it's not going to be easy. But you will start seeing a very different logic. Sometimes it appears brutal, but that brutality is exactly what will lead to our healing. And then the other part, and I'll be very quick here, for example, in your case, my case, you know, uh, most people gone through it, is because we have all kinds of unresolved, ancient, ancestral heartbreaks. Now, if we don't resolve a story, we are going to recreate it. Did you recreate the heartbreak? Yes or yes? <laughs> right? Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Okay, I mean, I that's that's where you, you uh, people, until they learn the lesson, end up just doing the same thing over and over again, right? You, you bet. Exactly. Exactly. So, so we will repeat the same story, the good, the bad, and the ugly, until we understand its psychology and we are able to say or sort it out and kind of like null it or neutralize it and then accept it as it is for its lessons. And then, then we can, uh, you know, start training our mind to attract new things, more beneficial things, the things we say we really want. But this is my teaching. It's like I don't like the rah-rah, the jump up and down kind of thing because that actually fools people and makes them blind to all the 10,000 fragments in the subconscious that need to be looked at and addressed. And once we do that part, then you can jump up and down, rah-rah, and install all kinds of affirmations, and life turns magical. Does it make sense? So there's like always two sides to the coin. The one from the past that we haven't overcome yet, and the one that we want to create using a positive mindset. But one that the first needs to be resolved first. So, and this is what you do with your 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 clients, correct? Yes, exactly. I mean, it's, it, it, don't get me wrong. You've studied hypnosis and you've studied NLP and all this deep uh, psychological stuff. You understand it's complex, but that's what I do. And not just being, you know, kind of like an an intellectual a person about it, but also very practical, very hands-on. And that's where a lot of my engineering uh, skills come in. Because I used to do big, uh, like, software code, you know, a million lines of uh, industrial code. 
mm-hmm. and I realized how it is almost spookily the same as the subconscious programs. That's a great analogy. It really is. Mm-hmm. That that really yeah. that's so. Can we, let's dive into that a little bit uh, without getting too far into the weeds. But if you have lines and lines of code, uh, what is that? Tell you know, cut me off if I'm going in the wrong direction. But that's that's a process, right? A process of all the and and one line or one character means something. The next character means something, and if if that is like the code in my brain, that character is a, is it a belief? Is it, and you could even go more and more granular, right? You can go into what they call in NLP the submodality or modalities, and then even further down into submodalities, and, uh, and and then piece them all together into your code. And and isn't that sort of one of the things that that happens naturally or on purpose through hypnosis or, 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 or therapy work. Yeah, so I'll give you a couple di- different uh, but simple examples. So let, let's go back to the code, okay? Most of us by now, we live, obviously this is 2021, have seen uh, HTML code. You know, we programmed something, maybe in WordPress, maybe our own website, you know, to, to sure. so it's not a, not a foreign concept. So in our coding, in our subconscious coding, we've got a million different lines. And some of them you can actually read. Some will say, if the weather is cold, then go to sweater or put on something warm, right? You dress appropriately. So these are some of these very simple ones. And there are additional lines of code, hundreds of thousands of them, that are not logical. We cannot read them until you really study them. You know, that would be the carrot, then the this and the strange character. And if you you know, are not exposed to it, you haven't seen it, then it's going to be very confusing. You don't understand its meaning. And the same thing is true for psychology. So, you know, um, I'll give you an example. Imagine uh, that there's a teenager who starts to date. Okay, say, let, let's talk about a, a young boy who's 14, just because you and I are, you know, are, are guys. Mm-hmm. And we all of a sudden don't quite succeed, the, you know, the way we saw it on TV. All of a sudden, we feel rejected. All of a sudden, we might even feel like part of the heartbreak energy come up. And then what are the decisions that we make very quietly in our mind? I mean, this is something that you could help me come up with. It, it, this is not a, a, a black or white thing. What would we say? Like if we all of us, if it didn't go well, what would we decide? What would we start to protect ourselves against? Well, we might say that uh, the heartbreak of is, is a breakup, correct? A heartbreak is an ancient story. It is where our heart is broken. We feel so rejected and unloved and, and some additional things that we begin to become extremely protective of our heart and we will not open up from then on. You well, even have songs about heartbreaks like you broke my heart yeah right yeah well to to answer your question earlier i would say that um i think a natural thing to do is you start uh in any adversity it's natural to start coming up with reasons or stories why it's not you know it's not your fault it's their fault exactly that that would be another exactly so why it's their fault it's not our fault Sometimes we come up with like 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 a list of questions like what's wrong with me? What am I doing wrong? Yeah. On television or on the, in the movies, you know, it looks so slick and smooth, and yet I can't do that. And then another thing that this is sort of what the, the point I'm trying to drive home is we become we we develop defensive strategies. When it's an extreme case, Tim, it would be we could even conclude that you know what this is not for me. This is what happens to most people. When they fail, and this is just a psychological term, failure, we have to experience it in order to grow, but if if we don't understand its structure, we make it very harmful to ourselves. So when we don't succeed, let me put it this way, quite often you do it enough and then we conclude 
that this is not for me. Now, most people conclude, has, have concluded that love is not for them, that a healthy relationship is not for them. Most people who made a few cold calls and they got hung up on, they say, you know what, making these cold sales calls are not for me. Do you know how many thousands of these statements most people have in their mind? This is not for me. And guess what? It's not going to work from then on until you fix the original problem and the original story where they decided that that wasn't for them. Make sense? Totally. And if I may, uh, isn't that statement or negative affirmation, if I can call it that, isn't mm-hmm. that running nonstop in the background uh, in, oh, in one's head. Oh, absolutely. Uh, you know, and that basically, uh, I'm glad you brought that up because we're still kind of talking about the code, you know, our, our subconscious code. So whenever we experience something that we don't like, we add an extra line to our code saying, this is not for me. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> right? So, so now we have a new code, then you save and rerun. But every time you run into some kind of adversity, you add an extra line to your, to your subconscious code. This is not for me. And what that causes is people resign from life and nothing will work in the long run. And all you have to do is go back and look at your code. I know I'm being a little hypothetical here, but look at your code and start examining it and see what sticks out, what is not for you. And it's not for you because, and then those will reveal the beliefs and all the other, uh, the conflicts that we installed in the moments of adversity. Hmm. Okay. Does it, does it help when we notice that we're running the negative affirmation to flip it to something more transformative and attempt to put that line of code into the program? Yes. Yes, it does. And I'll I'll say two things. One is, yes, it does, because what that means is that you have awareness, at least awareness of your negative affirmations or your negative thinking patterns. Huge. Most people, when they talk, they spew out a lot of these limited uh, statements, the limiting thinking, limited thinking, the limited beliefs, and so on and so forth. They don't even realize it. So awareness is the first step. But here's something else that I teach to my students, is that if you catch yourself, that's wonderful. That's step number one out of the five-step process. But if you only affirm the opposite, that's helpful, and it could work in the short run, could work temporarily, but nobody so far has addressed the original problem. So in other words, it's another Band-Aid. What we already we, might have been would, if, if, if we can go back to how we started this with how you discovered through your through your uh, uh, your seizures uh, old programs would isn't what causes that back to your original statement of of uh, tragedies that happen in in life is isn't a lot of times it a conflict of to use the metaphor the of of the of the program right one line of code is in conflict with the other which causes attention that doesn't it's not quite as clear to to the to the computer yeah exactly um, i'll give you an example and i'll give, tell you what caused my seizure and i think that will be like incredibly enlightening imagine yeah. if this code runs your body and it does our bodies are robots they're controlled by our mind okay mm-hmm. simple so imagine that your arms the way you move the way you talk everything is controlled by your mind okay some people have an easy time with it other people might have to think about it, you know, it might take time. But imagine if the one code says, one line of code says, move your left arm up. And then a few lines later, move your left arm down. Both lines will be observed, executed. So your arm is going to go up and down, up and down, up and down. You're going to be in this seizure mode. 
it's not going to be aligned. So then going back to the seizure, which I didn't realize, I didn't learn it till like, gosh, eight, nine years later, that seizures, get this, this is really cool. It's going to be very helpful for everyone, all the listeners and, you know, for the big, big, for humanity as a whole. Seizures are actually a manifestation of our inner rages that we've never been able to address and express. Okay, wow. let, me, let me give you another angle to it, another depth to it, because then this is going to be like super uplifting. Why do we have these rages? Why do we have this self-destructive rage that we suppress? Well, we suppress it because we have to survive. You can't just go out and start throwing tantrums left and right because that would be socially awkward, socially unacceptable, so we cope. But coping doesn't mean resolution. And you see how this goes? Everything's covered up. So it's like it's almost like we are wearing 10,000 Band-Aids and we are bleeding underneath all of those Band-Aids. Wow. Because the original wound has never been cleaned, never been addressed, never been treated. And then I'll tell you one more piece, which is what I promised as to why it's going to be very impactful. The rage is there because we have unresolved traumas. And in moments when we were defeated, in moments when we were hurt, we didn't just roll over and became doormats and all these. We actually became very angry and we swore to vengeance subconsciously. But we can't carry it out because, again, that's socially unacceptable, and so on and so forth. So we have so many of these repressed stories, and they come to the surface in these inexplicable or seemingly inexplicable things we call illness. So the seizure was my unexpressed rage towards my abuser from my childhood. Wow. Crazy cool stuff, right? Now, once you know that, do you feel empowered? Yeah, yeah. Yes, right? It's not just some random thing. And this kind of goes back to my previous statement. Everything is so precisely planned. It only appears random to the untrained eye. But the moment you know some psychology, like what I shared, all of a sudden that particular devastating, tragic, as you call the tragedy, is no longer a tragedy. It's a growing opportunity, as it was for me. Well, this so this is a very interesting uh, where we're going with this. It's very interesting to me because uh, when we were in pregame, we we're talking about how I was listening to this fella who uh, is is sort of a rat known and puts himself out there as this rational skeptic, and uh, and it's compelling because when you hear somebody speak like that, it. it it's so logical and especially um, for people that uh, maybe, you know, aren't used to that sort of rational, uh, rational and, and avoidance of any of the logical fallacies and, and all that kind of stuff. But it, and I got pulled into that myself over the years where it's like, okay, well this, but I started to realize it's like if, any growth, like when I'm coaching football or growth within myself, it comes from some sort of emotion. It's not rational. It's and a lot of times it, it's I'm you know I'm running the way, the hell away from the pain to get better, or if I if I don't get better, then it ends up you know that re- repetitive thing we were talking about earlier, right? So where is is, is there, there's a rational piece of us that that makes sense that we all have to abide by but there's also i i tell me if i'm wrong i mean it, I'm, i don't mean to speak for you but it's fascinating to me that really if someone's listening to this and robert you can go so deep where people will really get tripped out right i mean we've talked where it's way into woo-woo-ville and 
I would say to take off the rational thing because I found for myself a lot of times that's just an excuse, a fear uh, thing to uh, to go not go into something I I'm, I don't understand, uh, and what I mean is is that uh, we want to control things, and I think that. We don't want to go into the the work and the the, the emotionality when we want to control things because uh, why do I want to control things? Well, out of fear uh, and into that stuff that you were talking about earlier. Um, am I on the right track or am I? Yeah, you, uh, you know, you, you you asked actually many different questions, um, and, and I'll I'll answer them and please re-ask if, if I haven't uh, addressed it. Um, many, many, many years ago, I'm talking about like 20 plus years ago, I w- was present at a seminar and this guy was another coach. He was formerly a fighter pilot. So he used a lot of the, the military metaphors and, and, and examples. And one thing that caught my attention, and that was way before I was into, or I was teaching the subconscious world way before my stroke. I was still in my 30s at the time. He said this, and it changed my world because I, I never argued against it, but it really made me think deep. He said, all decisions that we make are 100% emotional until the decision is made. And then we become logical and we begin to rationalize them. So every decision that we make, whether it's about food, whether it's about the partner we date, whether where, where to go, what time to do things, and so on and so forth, is 100% emotional. Yeah. Now, this is where I have learned the million tricks, because the emotional part of us is the subconscious part. And this is also the feminine part. Okay? Uh, really? This might, yes, this is the feminine world, the emotional world. Okay, so a lot of guys that are have a rejection for the feminine side, maybe they have secret anger toward mom, they will have a problem embracing the feminine way of being. Okay, now the other side, the rational side, the skeptic side is more masculine. The logic. Uh-huh. And here's the deal, both are equally important. But due to our evolution, due to the way we grow, due to the way we've been challenged, we make decisions to be something at the expense of something else or to do something at the expense of something else. So we nonstop compromise. And when we are overly rational, that just means that we've been, forgive me for using this word, uh, but shafted. We've Hmm. been taken advantage of. And it hurt. So there's the emotional part of us feeling used, feeling hurt. So at any cost, we want to make sure that we don't make it or allow that to happen again. So now we use rationale to protect ourselves. But you see, this is what you and I talked earlier. No one is looking at the hurt. No one is looking at the feelings, the emotions of feeling of being used were taken advantage of, and that's what determines all of the decisions from then on. So what I'd like to suggest is that heal the wound, understand why it was there the first time, and then also employ logic. Because when you combine both, then you will make rock-solid decisions that you will not have to regret later, if that makes sense. Totally, totally. That's that's awesome. So, what is uh, and this? <laughs> I know you're gonna you're gonna go there. Tim goes again. You're trying to go deep, but uh, what are are some i uh, modalities or ideas to cause that healing? Ask ask me again. Ask, expand on what, the what are what is how how do you go about? I mean, I've been just shafted to use your word, right? In life, and uh, I I've I've got lots of band aids, right? And mm-hmm. what do I do? 
just rip the band-aids off or what 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 do I do to, to, well, to fix this? Well, if you rip the band-aids off, then you're still going to have the wound and you may not be trained how to, you know, treat it correctly. So mm-hmm. um, basically, that's where a lot of the techniques come in. Most people focus on the band-aids. Most people focus on the symptoms. Most people focus on what hurts, which is a good start. And then I like to ask the subsequent questions like, why does it hurt? And when did it begin to hurt? And then our mind is this eternal recording device. It remembers, you know, everything that ever happened to us. So the moment I ask you these questions, like the the latter two, like when did it begin to hurt? If you have a cooperative unconscious mind, it might all of a sudden start searching like a, a security camera recording. It might go back to the age of five when you were at the playground and you try to do something and you got hurt by blank, right? Mm -hmm. And it doesn't have to be physical hurt. This is another thing I'd like to uh, really make your listeners and make our listeners understand that the first tendency is to focus on the physical. But what if we try to do something like good-hearted and then we were laughed at we were humiliated, we were ridiculed, big, big fears for most people. And then from then on, we don't go into like the quantum psychology knowledge as well, the ridicule, da, da, da. no, we go, oh my gosh, I'll never want this to happen again. So we begin to avoid interactions of that nature to avoid the ridicule, to avoid, you know, uh, all those, the hurt. So that's, that's what my specialty is. So tell me what is going on, and I'll help you resolve it at the deep subconscious level, okay? And then in that process, the Band-Aid will fall off anyway. Mm-hmm. Because if we were to just to take the Band-Aid off, then, you know, it looks ugly, it's scary, it feels weird, you know, so if, if, if people don't have the training, then it's not going to be, it's, I don't recommend it. So, you know, you've been a coach, you studied a lot of, um, you know, healing modalities, you understand what I'm talking about. But that's what's really going on is, and, and some of these deep hurts slash stories slash, you know, human, whatever I just mentioned are complex. So what meets the eye is one layer, but what I specialize in, Tim, is actually understanding the 500 additional micro layers underneath. That's where... The majority of our manifestations. Oh, at least I'm. I'm just being gentle. Wow. Don't want. Wow. Okay. So, Man. so there's a story, and well, the way I teach this in in my courses is that there are hundreds of micro stories, and I focus on the micro stories. That's wild. So, what do you do? Uh, just generally speaking, you change the micro story into exactly. We'll we'll help. Heal the micro stories, and and I'll tell you something, um, something practical. Um, for example, can you? Do you mind if I, I I use you as an example? Because I think these. Oh no, no please, please. That, that's okay. why I brought up the divorce earlier, just so it's oh, okay. easier that okay. way. All right. So so let let's go back, and of course I, I haven't interviewed you, so I don't have all the data I need. But when you learned that the divorce was taking place. That is a punch to the throat squared, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. What what did you decide to never do again? Uh, Probably, oh, gosh, this might... I don't know if I'm being honest. I, I think I am, but I, I'm. You know how you cover up. Uh, I want to say that I I didn't want to be a poor communicator again. Okay. So we so. we 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 got married early. I was a college football player, and my communication level was a stereotype 
type of a college football player. Exactly. <laughs> okay. Okay. So. But, but do you realize that that's how men have been taught? You know, uh, and I have to say this because we are entering a new era and we will all need like complete retraining. Humanity has to be like fully and completely retrained. But do you realize that a lot of that, what you call poor communicator, was almost given to you as a strategy? And did it work or did it not for you? Uh, it, it worked up until that moment, until it didn't exactly. work. So it worked probably in certain contexts, maybe amongst your peers or some of the football players, but on the larger scheme, and this is the this is what we need to understand. When we want to evolve, we need to start entering the larger and the larger and the larger schemes. On a larger scheme, it falls apart because it is not a full and complete recipe. Mm-hmm. I agree with that. Okay. okay. And and I've I've done the same thing. I mean, I, most of my life. You know, I was very like sensitive, very emotionally aware, but I did. I was so I had too many of them. I didn't know what to make of them. So I said, okay, I'm going to run 10 miles today and tomorrow and the day after too, right? So that's what a lot of people do is that they they choose these very intense physical exercises to cope or to avoid and so on and so forth. So, but here's the cool thing: so you were taught to what you call to be a poor communicator. I wouldn't call the poor communicator. I would just say a communication style was taught to you that worked sometimes and didn't work in other times. It probably didn't work with women. Yeah, especially in a, in a relationship, right, of a, exactly. of a male-female exactly. marriage. Yeah. Exactly. Now, do you know how many other guys are struggling with that? How many hundreds of millions of other men out there struggling with the same thing. I, I got to, yeah, I got to believe it's, the, I, I wasn't special. I, well, <laughs> I, think it's, special. well I mean, my, my style wasn't my, my, my ailment, let's call it was, wasn't special. It was quite common and is common. And I, I realized that at my ripe age now, but back then, Exactly. But, but now I want to give you another, like an angle, because this is sort of still part of the story. So mm. the, the gift in the story was that it made you a better communicator at the conscious level. You started your podcast, you, you learned marketing, you learned all of these other modalities. So there's definitely a gift. Yes. But if you roll the tape back, the additional micro stories that are not even yours, but could be your fathers, could be your ancestors, could be societal. Okay, mm-hmm. or such that if you express emotions as a man, this is a belief structure that most men struggle with, then it makes you less manly. Mm-hmm. Okay, now how many men want to feel less manly? Not many. Not, Not many, exactly. Because we all want to be appreciated and picked and chosen by the females and the beautiful ladies, right? So then we layer in, because we have the, men have this belief and the many others, so then they start acting a certain way, which actually is not what women want. And this is where the conflict comes in. Conflict comes in. We act a certain way because we believe something, but on a larger scheme, it is not satisfying to women. Yes, right. Okay, so for example, the, the micro story would be, that the manliness, our manliness, our perception of us, ourselves as men, and the emotional connection, the emotional communication is somehow in conflict. That those would be the micro stories. Yeah. You, 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 right, you're an intelligent man, you can see that. And, and many, many, many guys, I would say probably 80 plus percent of them struggle with it. So, so that's, I, I think I'm glad you brought that up, but you, you can see, I can feel your mind processing and kind of resorting things because anything that we shame about ourselves, anything that we have been shamed is garbage that needs to go, but it won't go by itself. You really have to know certain techniques and you have to apply it to these stories, to these beliefs, to these ways of thinking, and then you become free from that. Uh, prison, because most of these thoughts are, you know, they, they put you right back in the prison of your mind. 
Right, right. That's that's interesting. Um, and uh, uh, certainly in my my marriage now of twenty plus years, I've uh, I, I believe anyway that I'm a better communicator than I've ever been. Let's lighten this up a little bit because we're going into some deep stuff and skating on a on that. Uh, what about I'm listening to this talk and you know it's great I want to go you know heal all my wounds but you know I gotta I gotta make some bank I gotta I gotta I gotta get some sales I'm gonna get rejected a hundred times tomorrow and I need to what do I do what what are some ideas to make us realize that that we can get a little bit more than what we're we're giving i see this all the time with my kids when they're running sprints especially the young ones right they really think they're working and then you know and they're not working you know they're not working and you know they can go a little faster than they are and and i think we all do that right we we take it off and maybe uh take a play off as we say in in coaching so what can i do to to uh, to show up and and have a, have a little bit more uh, gusto, if you will. Okay, so you know when you're in a good mood and you really are aligned with what you put your mind to, what you say you want, then it's going to be so much easier than if you have resistances or resentments toward the act. Makes sense, right? So yeah. it and 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 here's the the interesting thing, Tim. I'm going to give you like a general thing and give you a little more fine-tuned answer, okay? Not cool. everyone is cut out for everything. Mm. Okay, not everyone is going to be good at making cold calls or making bank. They can learn it, and yet still there could be other people who are way better than them. Okay, this is why you might have heard it, like, don't compare yourself. Maybe that other person is really good at, I'm going to say something like riding the bike and doing all kinds of acrobatic things. I know it's ridiculous. I just brought that up. And maybe the the guy who's really good at making money isn't good at athletics, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. So my message is, if you are in business and you want to make bank, ask yourself this question, and this will be life-changing. What kind of character traits do I need to possess to make that outcome happen? Huge. Okay. What kind of character traits do I need to possess, do I need to be, do I need to become to make that outcome happen? And this is where you actually have to sit down and write things out and maybe, uh, you know, think about it, meditate on it, and so on and so forth. But sometimes the answer is, I'll give you a few common ones, perseverant, resilient, excited, right? And if you're not any of those, then the outcome is going to be somehow tainted. Yeah. So these, there are... Uh, subconscious techniques and hypnotic techniques that you can install these character traits, the excited, the perseverant, the resilient, and whatever else you come up with. And the moment you install them, you become them, you become the owner of them, and the outcome is actually going to be more and more guaranteed. You know, you answered I think for someone who's asking, you know, what is the practicality without going deep diving of 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 hypnosis and you just nailed it, I think. I mean Yeah. I mean that's Exactly. <laughs> but but then the other side of the coin is that is that effortless for you? Or do you see uh, you know hindrances? Yeah. And if the answer is yes, you see hindrances, then you have to work on that which is the flip side of the coin. Make sense? Totally, totally. Hey, some of the, since we're on hypnosis, what are some of the, you know, out there crazy stuff? I, I don't mean crazy. That's probably a bad word in context. But uh, just wild stuff that that happens that, that you're, you can share um, in good taste. Is something I witnessed or something I have performed? Uh, that you maybe have... Uh, 
you know, you're helping somebody out and, and it's just, you know, all of a sudden, like I, I, I heard of, uh, stuff that almost before from someone that almost you know, sounded like they were able to control uh, a cut, right? This this guy hit was hypnotized and, and the bleeding, they would stop. So I don't know if it was true or not, but that's something wild that, that I've, I've heard. Yeah, you know, uh, I can tell you hundreds of stories and obviously want to be respectful of our time here, but yeah. hypnosis is something that we do all day throughout our lives. So it's not something that, you know, somebody invented and it's an accidental thing and you stumble upon it. You, you do it all day long. We do it all day long. The question is, what do we use it for? Okay. So what I have seen, and of course, you know, I had the brain damage from the stroke. I uh, learned uh, quantum hypnosis. And, you know, the, the damage, for example, in my brain was very visible in MRIs. After that quantum hypnosis, it was gone. It was fully healed. I say to an average medical doctor uh, back then, and they're going to, you know, call it woo-woo. And, and here's my message. Anything you call woo-woo or people call woo-woo is likely stemming from fear and ignorance. Yeah. Okay. And as I mentioned, we are entering a brand new era, and this woo-woo, uh, the expression needs to go. Even Albert Einstein said, the more you know, the crazier you look to the outside. Mm. Okay? Right? So why do we call knowledge woo-woo? Well, because we are afraid of our own power, afraid of our own knowledge. Okay? So I've seen, and then what you just said about the cut, yes, you can actually guide your mind to it. And you can heal wow. yourself almost instantaneously. If you have, you know, financial struggles, actually money problems are pretty complex. Some of the more, most complex problems because it involves uh, a relationship with the feminine. It involves all kinds of ancestral guilt patterns. But when you put your mind to it, you can manifest money. So I've seen, uh, obviously I help people with a lot of medical relationship and then financial challenges. So, uh, I'm a miracle myself. I think I was uh, fortunate to be able to be exposed to this knowledge and, and use it and apply it. I have seen people who were who couldn't date, you know, men couldn't date, uh, you know, at all, and now they are in a happy, fulfilling relationship. I've seen, uh, I had uh, clients who were uh, stage four cancer, and now they're perfectly healthy. So, yeah, miracles happen every day. It's just knowing the definition of miracle and knowing how to solve a problem the right way. Hmm. This is cool stuff. I would love to talk to you more. I'm going to end this with one more question, and it's a surprise question. Uh, I need to tell you that right now. It's a write-in guest question. From a young man named Adam Goodson. He's a hypnotist from Inglewood, California. I talked okay. to him last night. I told him I was interviewing you. So I go, give me a question to, to give Robert. <laughs> and uh, Adam is a mutual friend. He's also on the, the podcast uh, about a year or two ago, guys. So Adam asks, what holds people back such that if they had a certain belief that was true to them, they would need to have to make their life better? I'm hoping okay. for, for the sake of our listeners, would you be able to re I understand the question, but would you be able to ask it in a simpler format? <laughs> yeah. What, what is a belief that if I totally embraced it, I would have to make my life better. Okay, the second one sounds just slightly different. So, so I'll give you my answer, and then you can ask a clarifying question, if that's okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, when people say they want to change, you know, when they say they're sick and tired of being sick and tired, that yeah. change is not just going to be handed to them. They have to work for it. And then as, begin, as they begin to work for the change, they realize that there's all kinds of inner resistances. And this is what makes coaching a very complex field because 
they don't say, hey, I want a better relationship. Oh, cool. Let me help you. Because we, we know, we have to know three things. And I'm answering your question. I haven't forgotten the original question. We have to know three things. One is what created your current circumstance? What is it that you really want? And what potential resistances and objections do you have against your own healing? Holy crap. Yes, because the third question is what the, is the majority of the subconscious world in the beginning. People, subconscious mind is more invested in holding on to the problem than to resolving it or allowing healing to happen. What is the okay. reason for that? I'll give you a few simple answers, but it's, again, complex. Yeah, but yeah, I understand. The reason is, it. okay, uh, uh, these are going to sound cliche, but they are not. What would happen if somebody truly healed and left their misery and suffering behind? The answer is, many, there are many answers. They would have to face their greatness. Most people have an immense subconscious fear of their greatness. They will become successful inevitably, but most people have a, an unrecognized subconscious fear of success. Most people believe at the deep, deep unconscious level that misery and suffering is what they should be and supposed to do. Now, observe that belief from a programming perspective is there any way that they will not snap back to misery and suffering? Right. Right? That's, you, you have to eradicate those beliefs, and even though people can't verbalize them because it's not common knowledge, it's not you know, written in books, even though you hear it here and there, but as long as those like subconscious structures are magnetized, they will pull us back to the original position. So what people need to understand is when they, when they want something and they say they want something, they really, really, really have to go for it. And they really have to be willing to face pain and adversity along the way. And that's the answer. Wow. Otherwise, the pre-magnetized garbage thinking patterns will snap us back to where we were. Wow. Wow, 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 wow. Right? Now, this is a wake-up call for humanity. Do you see why so few people can really come out of their hypnotic uh, self-destruction? It's because there's all these other things underneath that are fueling this bin where we are cooking. We say we want change, but we, we don't want to go through the traveling to get there. Correct. We say we want change as long as it's easy. We say we want change, but we fear change. So there's a parts conflict. <laughs> wow. That's right? interesting. Yeah. So, so in other words, when we say we want to change, we really have to understand that it's not a linear or a joyride. Some of it is going to be paying off immediately. Some of it, you're going to have to face a lot of your inner conflicts. And this is the part where people have been trying to avoid, and of course it resulted in all the problems, what you call tragedy and divorce and financial ruins. But once we overcome these with the understanding that there's some other side thinking that sort of influences us, then when you're willing to go through the process, then you will come out as a victor. And this is what is going to be necessary from here on. This is what's going to be sort of the new education educational system is how to do all these things why is this necessary how to step on spirituality or the path of spirituality and how to take self-responsibility this is the new world we are right at the threshold this is a great place to stop i think you uh you, you gave a ton here today and i really really appreciate you robert how do people get in touch with you i'm going to give the links to the stuff i mentioned earlier but how how do they they get with you because you run uh workshops you run uh coaching and one-on-ones i believe how, how, do, how do we get a hold of you okay so it's very simple 
I'll give you one URL and then I'll give you a brief description of, of what's inside it. My company's name is Advanced Mind Institute. And the web link is A, as an apple, mind, M-I-N-D, institute.com. All in one word, amindinstitute.com. Mm-hmm. And when you load their webpage, you can read some good stuff. There are going to be uh, links to, uh, you're going to be able to book a call, your schedule a call with me if you're interested in private coaching. There are additional buttons where you could buy courses from Udemy. And if you're interested in learning the deep stuff and becoming like a leading edge coach, which is going to be the next step that we will have to embark on, there's also a button on this website called certification programs. I offer a free webinar, a free web class. People can watch it for free. And if that's what they want, they really want to learn how to, I'll go out of my way to serve them. As long as they are able to say they want it and go through the process. That's cool. That's cool. Um, unbelievable. I appreciate you. Thank you for sharing today. And I hope uh, everybody, you know, this is something, this is one of those talks that you can go back and listen to over and over again. And I think it's something new. Thank you so much, Robert. You're welcome. It was my pleasure.